Hello, my name is Brett. I'm pastor of this people. It's good to see all of you, but especially our guests. Welcome to this house. We are glad you came. This morning, we're going to continue our series on faith, what it means to believe God supernaturally, to see him do things in our world, not just to secure our place in heaven, but to change our reality. And we're going to look at the prophet Elijah. He was an amazing man who did amazing things. Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 9 through 16. 1 Kings 17, verses 9 through 16. The title of the message is Faith in Famine. Faith in Famine. The narrative reads, as the Lord is speaking to Elijah, in verse 9 he says, Arise and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please get me a jar with a little water that I may, may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, Please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. But she said, As the Lord your God lives, I have no bread. Only a handful of flour in a bowl, and a little oil in a jar. And behold, I am gathering a few sticks, that I might go in and prepare for me and my son, that we may eat it and die. Then Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a little bread cake from it first, and bring it out to me, and afterward you may make one for yourself and your son. Verse 14, For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the Lord that day sends rain upon the face of the earth. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah, and he and she and her household ate for many days. Verse 16, the bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty according to the word of the Lord which he spoke through Elijah. Lord, help us as we study. The background is this. Elijah just appears out of no place. We know that from the first part of chapter 17 that he is a Tishbite. And that generally means he's from the family of Tish. And we know that he was a resident of the town called Gilead, which was east of the Jordan. But he just appears in verse 1 of chapter 17 and begins to talk to the, the resident king. The king is, is Ahab. Now, Ahab is not a good guy. And his wife could arguably be worse. Ahab and Jezebel, unfortunately, are infamous in Israel's day. And they have allowed idolatry and all sorts of wickedness to prevail in the land. And the Lord is not pleased with Ahab's reign. And Elijah comes and he says this. There shall be no rain on the earth except by my word. And then he leaves. Now, I don't know whether he, he said hello. I don't know whether there was an introduction. All I know is this prophet came in and delivered a word of judgment that should have gotten the attention of Ahab and Jezebel. But it did not. And, and Elijah's hope was that it would get their attention, they would repent, and that God would, would lift this curse that Elijah placed on the land as a result of their poor leadership and idolatry spreading throughout the land. But they didn't hear it. 
And they probably ignored Elijah because he didn't have a reputation as being a prophet of renown yet. He was just a guy. So when a guy just shows up in your court as king and tells you that it's not going to rain except when I say it, generally you look at him as a fool if you are not spiritually discerning, which Ahab and Jezebel were not. But then six months pass and there's no rain. And all of a sudden they're saying, huh, a year passes, no rain. Who was that? Um, what was his? Come on, come, uh, leaders, help me. There was a crazy guy in here about a year ago. Can you give me his name? Can you remember? Give me his name. I need, where is he? A year and a half. Oh, my goodness. Everybody's trying to find this guy, Elijah. Well, not only has drought come upon the, the city of Samaria, which was the capital of northern Israel. There were two kingdoms at that time, northern Israel and the southern kingdom called Judah. Not only was there a drought there, but it was all over the land of Israel. And so people were suffering every place, including Elijah, whom God told, go to the the brook Cherith and stay there. And I'm going to provide for you by this brook. Now, it's amazing that the Lord did what he did. What God does is always amazing, but I love to recount what he does because it builds my faith to believe that in the midst of difficulty, he can provide for me like he did somebody else in the Bible. And so here we've got Elijah being, being directed by God to go to this certain brook and, and, and he would then, meaning Elijah, be able to be provided for with water by the brook. And it says that every day, twice a day, morning and evening, a raven would appear with bread and meat Now, if you know anything about ravens, they don't share. Ravens are scavengers, and they will fight each other for a piece of carrion, for roadkill, for anything. A piece of bread that's left at a park by a young child, they will fight each other for it. It has to be the direction of Almighty God for a raven to not eat what is in his mouth or talons and deliver it to somebody else. A miracle. Listen to me. You are not dependent upon those who favor you for God to provide for you. Folks who would normally take might just give if you act in faith and obey the word of the Lord. This raven provided twice a day, morning and evening, morning and evening, every day like clockwork. Elijah didn't know exactly where dinner was coming from the first day, and then it came. He didn't know where breakfast was coming from the first day, and it came. Oh, and day after day after day, amazing, until the brook dried up. Elijah, you did call a drought. And you are affected by it now. Well, when the brook dries up, Elijah's got to go find water. Problem is, it's been a drought. Now, a drought means there's not rain for a long time. I mean long time. So since the drought happened to be in the territory of Israel and its surrounding environs, it's going to be hard for him to find water. The wells have dried up. The river Jordan is down to a trickle. His brook has dried. Where is he going to go? And here we pick up the narrative. God says, I provided for you in a new way. I want you to go to Zarephath. And I've I've commanded a widow to provide for you there. Now, Zarephath happened to be north of Israel in Sidon. God was telling Elijah that he should go to a place outside of the people of Israel in order to be provided for, and look for a person who is not an Israelite, not a covenant person, to provide for them. Again, God is not dependent upon your normal means to provide for you if you obey him. He will move heaven and earth to make sure you get what you need. 
that's the mercy and the provision and the grace of our God. But for prophet Elijah, who was called specifically to the nation of Israel, it had to be a step of faith. You want me to go where to be provided for? Isn't there somebody here? I mean, isn't there one widow? If you want to provide for a widow, okay, that doesn't seem like the, the most likely, but isn't there one widow in Israel? No, no, I want you to go over here. Elijah had to use his, his faith in order to believe that a foreigner would have any, any inkling of providing for a man who was not a part of her people in a time of famine. You know, you always provide for your own when it's tough. And, and, and if, if, if you have enough, you may exceed the boundaries of your own re, uh, responsibility to provide, provide for your own to get other people in. But in a time of drought, man, everybody's out for themselves, especially when that drought has become a famine, meaning they haven't had a harvest in a couple of years now, and there's no food and no water. How, what, where on the priority system does it fall for you to provide for a stranger, much less a foreign stranger? But Elijah obeys, and this prophet had to have faith, and he goes to Zarephath. While he's there, he comes up on the city gates, and he sees a widow. Now, it's, it's important for you to understand that, that widows were, were obvious in their, their appearance. So it was easy to tell, generally speaking, who was a widow and who was not. They dressed very dourly down in their appearance. There was nothing colorful about the way they, they began to present themselves. And so... Even, even outside of Israel, all over the Middle East, this was the standard. To show people every place that you were bereft of a husband. And so this widow came out and Elijah recognized her as being one. He didn't know if this was the one God had commanded, but he knew she was a widow. Secondly, we believe that, that the people understood something about... Uh, Elijah and who he was. Now, even though this was north of Israel and outside the territory, it, everybody was wondering why in the world is there a drought on the land? And I'm sure word had gotten out to the surrounding environs. There was this guy that appeared before, before a king in Israel, and he said it wasn't going to rain. And now everybody, the CIA, FBI, everybody's looking for this fella. And I'm sure they went all over trying to find him. And this is one of the reasons that God said you need to get out of the territory before they find you. And so he comes to Zarephath, but, but Elijah had a distinct dress about him. If you look over in 2 Kings chapter 1, uh, Elijah prophesies to a certain commander who then reports to King Ahaziah, who has succeeded Ahab, his dad. And, and Ahaziah has fallen through the lattice in the roof, cut his leg, and has developed an infection. And he wants to know, Ahaziah does, if he's going to live. Elijah then sends word through one of his commanders saying, you're not going to live. You're going to die. Make preparations for your household. But the person who received the command or the word from the Lord through Elijah didn't know who it was who said it because Elijah didn't introduce himself. And so Ahaziah said, what did he look like? He said, well, he had this leather belt and he was dressed in rough camel hair. And Ahaziah said, that can't be anybody but Elijah. I remember when he came. Now I'm paraphrasing. I'm putting my stuff in there. I remember when he came in front of my daddy and began to give the word of the Lord. And so Elijah had a distinct dress about him. So meaning these two people kind of knew each other to some degree. The widow probably recognized Elijah and Elijah recognized the widow. 
And he comes up to the widow and says this. Could you give me some water? Now remember, that's, that's a fine request in times of normality. But it's a drought. It's a drought. How many of you all would have said, no. <laughs> have you noticed, dude? There is no water to be found, and you are asking me as a stranger for some? No. Most people would have said no. But there was something on the inside of this widow that allowed hospitality to overflow even in the midst of lack. And when Elijah sees the faith on the inside of her to not complain or to resist him in his request, and in that she goes and begins to, 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 to want to share, he says, well, since you're going, why don't you bring me something to eat? Make me some bread. Now, Elijah had faith to go, and he had faith to believe that a widow could provide. The widow had the faith to share. And here we've got two different, different perspectives on the same miracle. I don't know what it is about my God. But he likes to send people who are in the, who are in the full-time ministry to make requests of folks that, are, that seem to be unusual and unreasonable in terms of provision. I know he has sent me to you and said, I want you to provide for this building we got over here. And right now we have lack. You don't have all the resources. Naturally, there's nothing on the inside of you that can make this thing happen. But I know this to be true, that God has sent me to you. And if you will hear the word of the Lord and go, if you will, metaphorically and find some water, God will begin to provide for you in ways you do not know. Stuff won't run out in your house that would normally run out resources will come to you that are unusual in their orientation and God will make sure that whatever you need you have and some you might say to me well pastor don't don't you know it's a time of sequestration don't you know the government just shut down don't you know there's a famine yeah I know but you're the people to whom God has sent me you're the congregational widow. And believe me, I've gone out to other folks that I don't know if the Lord sent me or not, but the fruit of it was that we didn't get what we needed when I asked. Businessmen, folks I know from the past, believe me, I have asked for significant gifts from people out there you don't know outside of our congregation and come up with the well dry. So I'm trying now to stick to the folks to whom God has sent me, and that's you. Because I know this, that if God has sent me to you and you respond in faith, none of us will lack. And we'll have enough to not only provide for our own, but for so many others. When he sees her faith and, and she has the ability to believe God to go and find water for this man, he says, and, and, and bring me a little bread too. At that point, the widow just loses her mind. She says, now, as your Lord lives, meaning she understood this to be a man of God. There had not been a spiritual conversation yet between the two. And she was a non-covenantal woman who would not normally, naturally have called upon the name of the Lord. So she knew something about this guy, Elijah. And she says this, as the Lord your God lives, 
Ah, she's beginning to invoke some spirituality here because she doesn't want to offend. Normally, if she had not been respectful to the guy who was asking, she would have just said, have you lost your mind? Do you not know that we are at a time of famine? But she's trying to be respectful to the minister. As the Lord your God lives, listen to me. I don't have any bread. Wonder is gone. I don't have any Mrs. Mrs. Smith. I got nothing in my house. I got a little bit of flour, a little bit of oil. And when I mix that stuff together and put it with some fire after I put these sticks together, we're going to eat it, then we're going to die. That's the condition of my life. And you may be able to measure your provision on the basis of the little bit that you've got. You look at your bank account and you say, well, that's all I have. And sometimes you will say in terms of summary, I don't have anything. But you got a little. And it's amazing what God can do with your little. Amazing. She thought her little was nothing to God, nothing to the man of God. Yet the Lord was doing something here to make sure she could be provided for as well as Elijah during this famine. And God is doing something to make sure that you can be provided for. If you'll provide first for the house. Listen, it's a principle. You seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added to you. Matthew 6, You don't seek your own provision first. I know it's counterintuitive. I know it makes no natural sense. But then you begin to move when you get out of your natural sense into the supernatural realm. God, God's tried to do something for you. Don't resist the miracle he wants to produce. As the Lord your God lives. I just got a little bit. I'm telling you, I don't got. And then Elijah uses great boldness, almost insensitivity. Do this. Go in your house and make a cake for me first. <laughs> what a bold man. What a bold man. But see, a prophet knows stuff that other folk don't because he's heard from God. He knows that if she gives to the kingdom first, which is represented best by him, that she will never lack. And it sounds insensitive. It sounds like one of these preachers is only about money. Gimme, 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 gimme. If you had heard without context Elijah's request, you would have been angry with him. You're doing this to a widow and her boy, her orphaned boy? You should let them eat first. Sometimes natural common sense doesn't make much sense spiritually. Counterintuitive. Make me a cake first. By faith, this woman does it. We see Elijah had to have faith to go. This woman had to have faith to share. And then she had to have faith to sacrifice. And the first thing Elijah says is, do not fear. Oh, when God makes requests upon you that seem unreasonable, it seems that the heart begins to melt. How can I do that, God? 
Don't you know the situation I'm in, Pastor? Don't you know? Don't you understand what my, my life looks like? I'm unemployed. I got issues. I, I got bills. I, got, I realize that. I know I live in the world of need. I got it. But I know my God. And fear will not serve you. It will only serve to pull you away from God's purposes. It won't allow you to get into the supernatural. It won't allow you to obey the word of the Lord. Fear will hurt you. Fear will hurt you. So Elijah says to this dear woman, do not fear. Commandment, not a suggestion. Do not fear. Do not fear. But go and do this. And I promise you this, by the word of Almighty God, as the Lord lives, the flour, the jar of flour will not run out, nor will the oil run dry until the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Your God will provide, my God and your God will provide for you as you provide for him. If the drought had lasted another 20 years, that woman would still be eating. She goes in and she prepares Pours the oil in the flour, makes a little dough, puts the sticks together, lights them up, makes a fire, puts it on top, and makes Elijah a cake for her. Can you imagine what she was saying to her son, who trusted her mother to provide for him? Can you imagine how she looked at her son, who was probably fairly emaciated? I mean, the woman's words were, this is our last meal. So everybody was skinny. And her boy was hungry. And he was looking at that cake. And mama's, mama loves me. She loves me so much. She, she, she's, she's making the last little bit for us. And then she, she takes it out of the pan and gives it to the prophet. Can you imagine not only the, the, the mama's faith to be able to do this? But the boy, looking at mama, thinking, what, 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 who is this and what are you doing? The pressure in the house to try to take that which God has ordained for something else was great. But they had no idea that that piece of bread was seed. It was seed that was being planted in the kingdom to provide for years. Years. Two, one, two, Oh, here we have Elijah taking it, eating it, and then they eat theirs, eating the mama and the boy. And the commentary is that the jar of oil did not run dry, nor did the flour expire. You might just have a little bit, but where's your faith? Where's your faith? You may characterize what you have as nothing. But you'd be surprised what God can do with nothing. Just a little bit. You'd be surprised what God could do with your version of nothing. As you give, the Lord will provide for you. He always has. He is faithful. Man may not be, but God is. And do not characterize God within the context of human beings. He's other. 
And when he speaks, he only does what he says. He does not renege. He's not a God who can lie. What he says, he does. Believe God in faith, not just with respect to this building, but in every area of your life. Trust him. And don't look at the little that you have as being insignificant. If you give it to him, if you, if you dedicate it to his purposes, he'll supply in ways like you know not. Let's pray.